Hi, welcome back to Monocycle, a podcast by Man Repeller hosted by Leandra Medine. Last week, we published an article that was called The Things You Learn When You Stop Shopping for a Month. It was born out of a decision that I made to not buy anything through the month of January. The reason I made the decision is because I feel like I have a ton of stuff and like it's starting to overwhelm me to the point where cleaning out my closet becomes a thing that recurs on my weekend to-do lists over and over again for really no reason. So in this episode of Monocycle, I'm going to talk about that story, summarizing some of it, and ultimately talking about what I learned. <clears throat> See, it all st- AB? Hi. My husband just got home. I wasn't expecting that. I'm talking into a sound booth, and now I feel awkward. <clears throat> Moving on. My dad always used to tell me that stuff ruins trips. What he meant was that overpacking is the bane of fun. I didn't know what that meant until I realized it as I was lugging an enormous suitcase down Rue Saint-Honoré in Paris with stuff falling out of it as I lugged. That that was the worst experience of my life. I mean, I'm speaking in hyperbole. There have been much worse experiences, but I remember that moment so vividly, and I remember so vividly how I remembered the way my dad used to say that stuff ruins trips. This, I thought to myself, must be precisely what he meant. Because, you know, you're drowning in a sea of your own stuff in a place that's foreign, which completely distracts you from appreciating the distance and discovering where you are. Obviously, I'm very good at compartmentalizing advice because I've never, not once, tried to apply this dearly beholden adage to my life outside of trips. But guess what? Drum roll, please. Stuff ruins more than just trips. So while I set out to attempt this January quote-unquote cleanse, what I didn't consider is how difficult imparting the sanction would be on myself, particularly in January because all of the sales are so enticing and so inviting. The heavily discounted stuff becomes even cheaper as a last-ditch effort to invite purchase before the sale is conclusively terminated. So there you are, you know, filling up this shopping cart with stuff you probably don't need but that you're sure that you're going to use. Maybe there are sandals in there, some pony hair boots, I don't know, so much stuff. You don't need any of it, but you know you want it. And the price is making it seem like a really, really justifiable purchase. But the interesting thing that happens when you're not allowed to shop is that you just let the things linger in your cart. So they stay there, and you go back and you visit, and you really feel that sense of social proprietorship because it's like you're confessing to the internet that you have style. You know what you like. You know what the thing is. You identified it as a piece of clothing you would want to wear if you had it, but because you don't have it, you're not going to wear it. So ultimately, the object's purpose in your life is complete before you've even owned it. You know what I mean? I racked up thousands of these would-be spent dollars that practically felt like newly hard-earned dollars every time they weren't actually spent, and it felt really cool. The strange thing that I learned that I wasn't really expecting to learn, though, is that all the preliminary items that were in my shopping cart, meaning the stuff that was in my shopping cart like the first week of the quote-unquote cleanse, became dated and stale by like the second week, and then I was on to the next ones, and then the next ones, and this cycle never ends. It really makes you wonder how much you actually want something and whether or not you really need it. 
It can throw you into an anxiety spiral for no good reason at all. At least when you're consumed by work or a tumultuous relationship or any varying degree of your own emotional plight, something less superficial is at stake. You're fighting the good fight for the betterment of a domino effect that starts with you but ends with humanity. Humanity. So here's where I'm at. Until this point, I haven't really bought anything new. I don't applaud myself or think I'm doing really important work for the world, but I feel more grounded, more connected. It's almost like when you don't drink coffee for three or four days and suddenly, after the fog has been lifted, you're clearer than you've ever been. Originally, this connection felt like connection to clothes I already have because with the prospect of new stuff trapped in an ivory tower called the digital shopping cart, the clothes that I already have are all that I've got. So maybe I appreciate them more. I'm not wasting mental time drilling holes into my closet and then pursuing their fillers. And herein lies the metaphor, people, because physical stuff is always a metaphor for something bigger. Science of happiness, lesson number one. When you stop focusing on your lack and give gratitude to your gains, you become a real-life emoticon. So, because you're not focusing on the stuff you want to put in your closet and instead focusing on the stuff that's already there, you just feel more connected. Another thing I've been thinking a lot about, and this isn't in relation to shopping, but it definitely applies. Boundaries are not the same thing as restriction. Boundaries are good. Restrictions might constrain you in a way that makes you feel resentful, suffocated, trapped, but boundaries support you, even protect you from the draining inundation of insurmountable choice. Setting a boundary can actually stimulate you more because you're still operating freely within a given frame. They're kind of like a restaurant menu in that if you didn't want a curated edit, you just go to the supermarket, you know? And so lesson number two of the shopping cleanse is that maybe we don't need the world to be our oyster. A couple square blocks is ample enough space to impart remarkable change. I read that straight from the post. But do you get what I mean with restriction and boundaries? Yeah, restriction can totally trap you, but boundaries are, they're frames that you set. They're frames that you set because there are so many options. There's so much choice, way too much choice for any single person to spend so much time thinking about. And making choices is draining. It takes a lot of mental effort and capacity. And wouldn't you rather re-delegate that mental capacity elsewhere? I know I would. We can talk about that at length if you want another time. All you have to do to let me know is send a smoke signal. The third important thing I found from not shopping is that because I had less stuff, I was getting rid of less stuff. I didn't feel inclined to get rid of stuff because I didn't feel guilty about the fact that I was buying new stuff. And so inadvertently, I contributed to eliminating the amount of shit that we produce. It's got to be good for the environment somewhere, don't you think? I sure hope so. Patience, you know, is also an important part of the whole thing. Just because you can afford something, whether that's a $9 pair of sunglasses or $300 pair of shoes, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have it. Conversely, when we can't afford something, we tend to instill this sort of holiness in them. Or maybe that's not true for you, but I know that It's true for me, and worshiping what you can't have is a really shitty deal. Goes back to the whole focusing on your lack instead of your gain or your have. 
So if not shopping for a month taught me anything that's really important that I can apply to the rest of my life, it's something so simple and something that we all probably know but might have trouble genuinely believing. And that is that no single thing can transform any of us. Except maybe this one shirt that I really, really want. I've been waiting until February to buy it, but it's sold out. Oh, nuts. So stinky. And we'll end right here. I'm Malcolm Gladwell. Thank you for listening to Revisionist History. Goodbye.